When someone passes away, words of wisdom spoken at the right moment can ease the grieving process. Thankfully, Joe Biden was there. And by the way, my sympathies to your, the family of your, F, uh, uh, your, your CFO, mm. who uh, un, dropped dead very unexpectedly. <laughs> my best of her family. It's tough stuff. Ah, it's tough stuff. Wow, that was fantastic. Bravo, Joe. Well said. If any of my close loved ones happen to take a dirt nap suddenly or quit the oxygen habit, I know who I'm bringing in for the eulogy. Joe freaking Biden, consoler in chief. I mean, moments ago, this family and the employees at Joanne Fabrics were inconsolable. Now they can rest well, knowing their CFO or uh, 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 CEO, CFO, is sleeping with the fishes. Just imagine those little gills gently swaying back and forth, keeping their little fishy bodies in perfect position as they nibble on the flesh of that person you love so much. I'm so glad Joe Biden was there to calm the grieving masses as he told them that their old boss was lying in a box somewhere with their flesh decaying slowly as insects began digesting their bodies and turning it into future fertilizer. The stench of death is nigh. Those silent screams you feel are from the souls of a thousand corpses crying out scraping the inside of the coffin with their decaying fingernails, yearning for breath they will never breathe. And since they were probably like a rich capitalist, they now suffer in the bowels of hell, tortured and writhing in pain, while being seared in flames that never stop burning, but also never consume. May God have mercy on their souls. Joe Biden, he may be a terrible president, but he gives a hell of a eulogy. Stu does America. Tell you about a place called Blaze TV. It's at blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew to save 10 bucks off your subscription. Eric July joins us today to talk about the Second Amendment and Juneteenth. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf has an interesting take on red flag laws, but we start by doing Biden's oil flip-flop. I am fascinated by the approach of the Biden administration. And look, when you're in a position like this, you do a lot of dumb, crazy, silly things. So it, it makes for a really fascinating time to cover the country. Crappy time to live in it, but a fun time to cover it. One of the things that's really been interesting to me is this thing they're doing with gas prices. Obviously, if you're a president of the United States, gas prices are going through the roof. You're kind of torturing all your citizens with all this unneeded inflation and all these problems with energy. You have to come up with something to say. And so what they've said basically is we're not doing anything to the oil companies. Everything's totally fine. We're just letting them do what they're doing. They're being greedy. We're not doing anything to thwart them whatsoever. What's fascinating to me about that in particular is like I have a memory longer than a week. And I remember when they ran for president, they ran a giant campaign almost wholly based on the idea that they were going to shut down the oil industry. Does anybody remember this? So I'm interested that they have this sort of 
two-path approach where they can go to their environmentalist supporters in the primary and say, hey, we hate the oil companies. We're going to shut them down. Everything we're doing is to move away from fossil fuels. And at the same time, they can tell the American people, we're, what are you talking about? We've never done anything to stop. We, we love oil companies. What are you saying? It's such a bizarre thing. Let me give you an example of how bad this has been for the Biden administration. A little uh, then and now. Watch. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Since, since Russia has amassed, uh, started amassing uh, troops on the border, we saw a, we've seen a $2 uh, increase of gas prices. So we know where to put the blame on the war. But uh, oil companies, they have oil refineries, they have responsibility too. So this is basically a, a bit of a, hey, we want, we want you to act. It's time to act. We have done our part with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Mm. We, are, we are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse or as a, as a reason uh, to, not put, to not put out a production, not to not do the capacity mm. that is needed out there. She's good. We should do an entire show just, just about how good she is. Oh, wait, we already did that. Uh, well, well, we'll do more. There's more to come on Corinne Jean-Pierre. In fact, here's another clip. Uh, the only person who ever seems to ask her a tough question is, of course, Peter Ducey of Fox News. And he decided to ask her about this little issue they're having when, you know, they've been talking about ending fossil fuels for so long. Is that still a focus of the administration? The president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. Is that, the, is that a priority? So here, climate I, I, change I, over gas. No, prices? that's not what we're saying. We're what saying we're saying that we're saying I'm answering I'm answering the question. Is his priority lowering gas prices or is it addressing climate change? First of all, we it's you can do both at the same time. What we're trying to deal for, uh, what we're trying to uh, deal with right now mm -hmm. is how do we lower cost for American families? And one of the things that we are seeing currently right now with oil refineries is they are using this moment that there is a war in Ukraine to to actually make a profit when they there are steps that they can take so that we can actually lower lower gases low gas prices for families oh, this is just, I mean, she is terrible do you believe that half of that answer was red fascinating um we just talked to you yesterday with brian dean wright about how we're at between 94 and 98 percent when it comes to um refinery capacity we keep we've gone from 250 i think it was to 124 refineries we keep screwing with this whole process and then expect everything to go fine. And look, why would you build new facilities if you're the oil companies when everyone is telling you your industry is doomed? I mean, listen to John Kerry. Do we need to expand production? We know what prices are a function of supply and demand. Do we need to increase supply? Here's John Kerry. And energy security worry is driving a lot of the thoughts now about, oh, we need more drilling of gas. We need more drilling of this. We need to go back to coal. No, we don't. We absolutely don't. And we have to prevent a false narrative from entering into this or, again, uh, pun intended, we are cooked. Again, and they're in a tough spot here. I, I don't want to deny it. They're in a tough spot. 
they've told everybody, all of their supporters, that climate change is the number one priority. You heard Corinne Jean-Pierre a second ago saying, no, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying it's a higher priority than gas prices. What do you mean? You've been saying it for years. It's been the focus of your entire campaign as you ran for president, and you've been focusing on it since you've become president. Uh, here is uh, Gina McCarthy. She is uh, Biden's climate advisor talking about no more drilling. President Biden remains absolutely committed to not moving forward with with additional drilling on public lands. Mm. The challenge that we faced was that we had a court that ordered that um, a new lease to be done. The Department of Energy had no choice but to put it out. But they also find, found ways to reduce the size of that and its impact. Mm. And we'll keep doing what we need to do to appeal those decisions and to make our case in a court. I mean, do you hear this, everybody? When, when they're off, when they're not on guard, when they're on MSNBC, they're saying, we will do everything we can to stop these people. And when they're talking to the American people, they look them right in their eye and they say, we're not doing anything to affect your gas prices. It's all the Putin price hike, everybody. So is this a supply problem or is it a demand problem? And that's an interesting question. We know it's always one or the other. So let me look at this. And, and I, could, I could run these numbers from the COVID year, and it would be, I think, it would look really bad for the Biden administration. Uh, but it would be a little unfair. You know, we know that the numbers were screwed up uh, when it came to COVID. Everybody was home. People were driving less, all those things. So I won't do that. I'll, let's go back to 2019, and we'll look at it from 2019 to 2021. So is this an, a, a supply problem or a demand problem? Well, demand, you'd think if it's a demand problem, demand has skyrocketed, right? That's what you'd have to think to think it's a demand problem. Well, no, actually, demand is down, down 3.7%. So if demand is down, it's not a demand problem. So maybe it's a supply problem. Is it a supply problem? Could it possibly be related to a supply issue over the past couple of years? And of course, supply is also down. So if, a, if it is a supply problem, you'd expect that number to be lower, which of course it is, down by 2.1%. Our supply is down. And so this is a big factor to why prices are going higher. We are, it's not that demand is exploding. Yes, it's exploding out of the COVID year, but it's not exploding from, uh, from normal period to normal period, if you will. Uh, it's the supply that is going down, and that's causing a big part of the problem. Now, of course, uh, it's not to say that the, the war in Ukraine is not a factor. There are other factors to this, but we are not helping ourselves. Again, your job as president is not to av- just to avoid hurting us. It's supposed to be to help us. And they're doing everything they can to do the opposite right now, as they just explained to you. Um, however, then they come to the American people and they say, you know what? This president is absolutely focused on bringing your gas prices down. Watch. Am I comfortable? I mean, I certainly support the president and his uh, national security team. Hmm. Uh, no one knows more about, you know, national affairs uh, than President Biden. Oh, shut up. And I would say that he is very serious is when he? the president, when he says mm-hmm. he's going to use every arrow in his quiver Everyone. in order to bring down gas prices for Americans. Every arrow in his quiver, not increasing supply which would be the main arrow in your quiver you'd want to address in a situation like this, as we've just shown you. 
But instead, they're going after other things. What are the other things they can do? Well, there are some things they can do, like, for example, um, harass oil companies. In the letter from the president to the oil refinery, the refiners, he said they need to work with the administration to bring about a near-term solution. Since since Russia has amassed, uh, started amassing uh, troops on the border, we saw a, we've seen a two dollar uh, increase mm. of gas prices. So we know where to put the blame on the war. But oh. uh, oil companies, they have oil refineries, they have responsibility too. So this is okay, basically because a, a we, we showed you that whole clip before. But I wanted you to focus on that one part there. This is kind of a new thing. It's, I guess it's not completely new, but it's, it's something they've tried recently, which is not to say that the prices went up at the beginning of the war. No, no. It's when they started amassing troops on the border. So that's a different timeline. You notice they're getting a few more months of the rise out of this. Now, of course, prices were rising before that, too. Uh, here's a Corinne Jean-Pierre tweeting about this a few months ago. She said, this chart illustrates the impact of Putin's price hike on Americans. Oil prices have risen since the beginning of this year at the same time as military uh, buildup from Putin um, and his threats. And then unprovoked further invasion of Ukraine. That's higher gas prices up more than 75 cents. And they included this chart from the Council of Economic Advisors. And you do see a big, you know, spike there in oil prices. Now, Obviously, like they prices had been going up before that and actually came down after they started uh, putting troops on the border initially. And that really started in November of 2021. So they came down, then they started rising a little bit, but they had already gone up quite a bit from the beginning. I want you to look at that spike at the end of this graph. And if for podcast listeners, it's, you know, it's a pretty noticeable spike right at the end of this graph. But it's also something we included in our previous chart that we showed you, because what we do on this program is show you charts. That spike is the one noted here as the Putin price spike uh, hike or whatever it is. So you see that, yes, there was a spike there when the war began. They're trying to take advantage of, of a longer term period and a more of the rise so they don't get blamed for as much. But this has been going up this way for a long, long time. And the Putin price hike, while it is a factor, I'm not denying that it is. This has not been good for the global community, the global economy. But that is not what is to blame from the beginning here. The thing is, and as I mentioned earlier, when you're president of the United States, your goal is just it's not just to stop hurting people. It's to help them. So when you have increasing supply, when you take your energy supply seriously, when something that you can't control, like, I don't know, one giant country invading another country happens and it disrupts supply, you can handle it. You are in control of the situation. You're not held at gunpoint by Vladimir Putin. You instead are able to handle the problem. So, yes, Vladimir Putin and his invasion is a problem here. And it's made this worse, but it was already going on. And now, because of your actions, you have not been able to deal with it. Um, ExxonMobil has replied, by the way, to the harassment they've been receiving. And they say, actually, we've been investing $118 billion on new oil and gas supplies over the past five years, compared to a net income of only $55 billion. They also say they have been investing even during the pandemic when they lost more than $20 billion and they had to borrow more than $30 billion to maintain investment and increase capacity to be ready for a post-pandemic demand. They've done a lot, but they've been the enemy at every stage of this. Um, how about refining capacity? We know we've gone, we've basically been cut in half 
when people try to build new refineries, the government blocks them over and over again. The Institute for Energy Research uh, said in a recent article, new refineries are unlikely to be built in the United States due to daunting environmental standards and policies that the Biden administration has been implementing to reduce petroleum product consumption in the future and on and on and on. So what have they done? They've tried to harass oil companies and lie to the American people so they can shift blame that direction. And then they've also decided to work on uh, emptying our strategic oil reserves. Now, this is something that's supposed to be for a real emergency, not just the prices going up a little bit. They've decided to address this. And so what they would tell you is that what you're seeing now with $5 plus per gallon on average in the United States is actually a factor of their brilliant policies, bringing it down from some theoretical higher level than that. And that has been a massive cost to our strategic oil reserve. I don't know that you've seen this chart yet, but I want you to look at it because it's shocking. Normally, we are up around 750 million barrels of oil in our strategic oil reserves, and we have seen a dramatic straight down line that has emptied it to less than half its capacity already. And we're still at over $5 a gallon. This thing is going to be empty in a month at this pace and has given you absolutely no noticeable benefit whatsoever. How do you feel about that? Did you know that we've emptied out more than half of our strategic oil reserves? To, to what end? Seemingly no benefit whatsoever, and we're at the worst position we've ever been at in American history when it comes to gas prices. Uh, and uh, we look to the future to see how much worse it will get. And look, the government and the Biden administration has been doing stuff over and over and over again. They bragged about it during the campaign, as we showed you. And then they got into office and did it. This is from an, uh, an executive or, uh, order from the first week or so of the president's administration. This order directs the secretary of the interior to pause on entering into new oil and gas leases on public lands or offshore waters to the extent possible, launch a rigorous review of all existing leasing and permitting practices related to fossil fuel development on public lands and waters. Uh, he made promises about this stuff all throughout the campaign. And it's interesting to look back at those promises now because they were fact-checked and looked at, shown as promises kept, promises in progress. Uh, his moves included making industry more energy efficient and putting the brakes on drilling and pipeline projects, according to PolitiFact. How about the Washington Post, who talked about uh, real problems um, as, uh, as, as the administration saw it with global warming? And they said, well, what should we do about it? And I, I want to make this clear. The president did a lot of things to restrict oil companies, but they didn't get everything done that they wanted to. Well, what did they want to get done? Do you remember all the conversation about Build Back Better? What was in that proposal that wound up not getting through? But this is what the, the Biden administration wanted to do. Under the version of, of the Build Back Better Act that passed the House last month, new offshore drilling would be permanently prohibited in just a couple of areas you may have heard of. The Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and the eastern Gulf of Mexico. Ever hear of those places before? They're kind of important when it comes to offshore drilling. Not sure if, you're sure if you knew that. The House version of the bill would also repeal a provision in Republicans' 2017 tax law that opened up Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge to onshore oil and gas drilling. And if I take you back again, 
one more time to this moderate guy and his moderate campaign he ran for president, I'll take you back to when he was asked about the Green New Deal by Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper, quote, are you a firm supporter of the Green New Deal or do you think it's too much or goes too far? Joe Biden's response, quote, oh, I don't think it's too much. He has his own plan that he wanted to push through, but he did not think even the craziness of the Green New Deal was too much. If he had gotten done the things he wanted to get done, you'd have $8 gas right now. And he's acting as if he's not part of the problem. He is the problem. Take your summer adventures to the next level with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collections. And let me just speak to, uh, let, me t- let me speak to the ladies out there. That's right. Everyone loves it when I break it down and talk directly to the ladies. Or maybe the kids who are sitting around saying, hey, I don't know what the heck to get my dad for Father's Day. And it's like two days away. Uh, let me uh, give you a recommendation here, boxofawesome.com. If you go there and you enter the code STU at checkout, you'll get uh, 20% off your first monthly box. But this is a fantastic idea for a present for dad for Father's Day. Uh, they have basically everything, uh, all sorts of any sort of interest your dad might have, whether it's outdoor activity uh, or sports or whatever it is, uh, whether whiskey or, you know, cigar. I don't know, whatever you want, whatever you think. You take the, the, the quiz at boxofawesome.com. And they'll come up with the right box of awesome for you or for your dad. Boxofawesome.com code is Stu for 20% off your first box. A great gift comes every month. Boxofawesome.com code is Stu. Joining me now is Eric July, Blaze TV contributor, host of For Canon's Sake, the podcast, which you should definitely subscribe to. And, of course, 573 other YouTube shows. Uh, he's everywhere. Everywhere from, like, Thomas Sowell documentaries to swearing at uh, MLB 2022 on, on YouTube. I'm doing it all. I'm everywhere. <laughs> you can, you can find can't get everywhere. enough of me, man. Um, thanks for coming on, Of Eric. course. It's it. always lovely, man. Um, can I start, uh, start talking to you about uh, with red flag laws? Okay. Uh, you know, we were in the middle of, obviously, we have the terrible situation in Texas. You have uh, the, the somewhat predictable um, approach from politicians who say they have to do something. Something has to be done. Now, of course, the something seems to always be only federal law and only gun control. Like all the other things that we've done don't count as something. Yep. Um, red flag laws, though, is something that's it's kind of in the middle where you see some people on the right who kind of like them or are open to them. There's a red flag law in Florida um, yeah. right now. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, you have the left who seems to absolutely love these, anything you, to get guns out of people's hands. What, what's the truth here? Because, I mean, it doesn't seem like due process is a part of this. Not not at all. And it's one of the more dangerous to me, that one of the more egregious approaches to gun control because of exactly what you said. The thing about the left when they talk about this issue of gun control or rather red flag laws in particular is that they're never forced to extend anything to its logical conclusion, as I always say, meaning that they don't understand that they're criminalizing a bunch of people even if it's just temporary. And that conflict in itself could lead to some very disastrous results. There was a case um, I covered, certainly on my channel, I can't remember uh, if it was somewhere maybe out there in Baltimore, it was like Ann Arundel, some area. Um, you guys can check my channel out for that when I covered it. But basically there was a man, it was a newly actually enforced uh, red flag law out there. 
and it was like his some sibling or something called police some some type of deal long story short of course it was a red flag law about to be enforced and the guy who they visited his whereabouts he hadn't committed any crime there was nothing it was that he had done they were coming to collect and at the end of that conflict there they ended up killing that man mm. and that's what this leads to. And this is why I want us to get on the attack, those of us that value gun rights and the pushback, and to force these guys to acknowledge exactly that. You know how they like to credit us or attempt to credit us for every mass shooting, right? You, oh, it's your fault. It's people like you, it's your fault. Like, I ain't shot anybody. What does that got to do with me? <laughs> so how about this? You get on the defense for once and explain yourself, because that type of situation, those red flag laws, which are going to end up being inevitably discriminatory anyway, just some Karen that's mad that thinks you should be addressed, that conflict with the police officer, federal agent, whoever it is, can lead to uh, a very deadly a deadly end game, and that's what we need to be talking about regarding these red flag laws. Yeah, I mean, it really it, it can go to a lot of a lot of people who lose their guns for no reason. A lot of people trying to get revenge on people they don't like. I mean, it le- leads to a lot of this, and I, I, I hate the way this discussion always occurs because uh, it always goes down to well, what can we do? federally with gun control, right? What can you come up with? Come up with something. It's, it's, it's put on us as people who uh, appreciate the Second Amendment to come up with some way that the government can restrict the people. And, and like, that's just like, you know what, what you can do if you really want to do something about this, uh, and I don't think this would work and I don't think it would be good, but you can try to repeal the Second Amendment. Go for it. <laughs> if you don't do that, this stuff's all off the table. Yeah, there's nothing to discuss. But they won't admit that that's what they really want. No, that's exactly what it is that they, they want. Ultimately, they want to incriminate people. Because think about this, how they approach, like, even the AR-15 and how it was uh, Dylan Radigan that he, he had posted publicly about what he thought should happen. Mm-hmm. He said that people should, uh, it should be like a basically a mandatory buyback program, buyback, meaning that the government... Of course, pays you, he said, $5,000. He said, like, after three months, it is now felony possession. Everybody. Oh, my God. And, and there was, you know, of course, there's people agreeing with that. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. This, like, do you not understand what that means? You have criminalized a large swath of the demographic of, of America. Like, that mm-hmm. is very dangerous. People of all different ethnic backgrounds, racial uh, creeds, w- whatever you want to call it. And you're willing to incriminate them for what? For what? Because what is this absolutely going to stop? Nothing. We know and it seems tired, but it is true in that these people that are at least crazy enough to want to carry out such a just (laughs) evil thing, let's call it what it is probably don't care about whatever laws or hoops that you want them to try to jump through. They, they probably don't care about that. So effectively, all you do is make it more difficult for guys like myself uh, and others to, number one, stop issues like that when they're about to occur. But when we want to inevitably protect uh, ourselves, which is why it's been so bizarre that the same side that often advocates for gun control is the same side that uh, is, you know, wanting to. They talk about defund the police and all those sorts of ideas. Like you want us dependent on that institution that you supposedly don't like, <laughs> right, right. Uh, by the way, and you want us to basically have our hands behind, hands tied behind our backs. I, again, this is where, and I love how you put it, it was like, if y'all not talking about that, it's not even on the table. And I agree. It's like, I say it all the time, like, there's nothing to discuss here. There's no dispute to be had yeah. here. Like, this is something that is absolute. This is all right. And you're the one that's in the wrong. It is not on me to try to coddle your feelings and do something for you. Yeah. No, no, no. This, this, this conversation shouldn't even be 
uh, you're lucky that we're even having it. Yeah, it, it's amazing because they, 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 you see this all the time. Like, ex- give me one reason why you need an AR-15. The point of a right <laughs> is that I don't have to explain exactly. to you what I'm going to do with it or why I need it. Exactly. It's my. You have to come up with a really good reason for me not to yep. have it, which usually means a felony or something similar. No. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that side of it. I, I, I also, uh, and I've tried to make this point several times, and I don't think I did it particularly well. And then I heard Charles C.W. Cook from National Review, mm-hmm. who's really good on the Second mm-hmm. Amendment, and he 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 made this point really really well, which was like the the right typically uh, will avoid gun control laws on the front end, and they oppose them on the front end. They don't want them to be passed. The left wants them to be passed on the front end, but they oppose them when they're actually enforced. Yeah. Because when they are enforced, you get these arguments of, well, it's disproportionately hitting uh, minorities. It's disproportionately hitting people in cities. It's disproportionately, uh, disproportionately hitting our voters, typically. And so then, w- once these laws do get passed, if they pass them, we will be hearing how racist they are yep. in just a few years. When I mean, you know, it's, it's like... It's not. It's disingenuous. If you don't want to put a, a, an enforcement mechanism on the on the side, and you're going to complain about it. What What are you passing these laws hey, for? Stop anyway? and frisk. That's effectively what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean. Same thing. And we know how they've certainly felt about that. And this is why there's no leeway or no ground that needs to be given to these people because it'll never be enough anyway. Yeah. You know, no matter what it is that you do, even if you do, look at the uh, all the amounts of laws which should be all repealed that exist right now yeah. that are on the books that uh, don't allow, rather prohibit people to own weaponry. There are people in jail and prison right now for felony possession, which just means that you had a gun that we said you're not supposed to be able to have. And it's completely arbitrary often. I know people that go to jail for this stuff. It's like, well, you didn't go through all of these to get it so therefore you're a criminal like i didn't shoot anybody i didn't do anything like that that type of stuff we should be getting on the offense and getting rid of those but as so many different things they'll end up inevitably disproportionately impacting <laughs> some sort of community and then they'll be butthurt about that uh in itself <laughs> like they are you I mean you can find mountains of different things that are on the books right now that they have probably advocated going in and now that they're impacting who they're impacting they're like well those are wrong it's because they don't actually have a principle per se it's just a perpetual sort of activism that they're always going to and you'll never get ahead of that never no no and it's funny because you apply their sort of Ibram X. Kendi view of the world, where any law that disproportionately hits a certain community is automatically racist. Well, uh, you, how can you possibly, I mean, you need to repeal all these gun laws, which, by the way, would probably be a really good thing in most cases. But like, they, that's not what they, that, that, that's not what they say that they want. They're, it's, it's like, um, you know, they do the same thing with, with the climate, where it's like, okay, well, we need, we need to have solar power and wind power. Then when you try to install solar power wind power, you know, the same people say, well, it's, it's going to kill birds. It's going to kill, you know, it's taking up too much land. There's never a sweet spot with these guys. <laughs> it's a perpetual activism. Yes. And really, it's almost effectively money laundering when you get to like the taxes and all of that stuff that is yeah. involved. You uh, kind of are rerouting uh, funds to someone in their fake job or because they're <laughs> part of the Department of Ministry of Ethical uh, uh, whatever bullcrap jobs and looking at Ohio State the other day. They got like 70 some fake jobs of like equity and all of that sort yeah. of stuff. Those will be those guys uh, to try to figure out what's going on. That's what 
always happens. But when you don't actually have a principle to stand on, which often we do, they don't have the principle, then of course you are going to always fluctuate. It's just I'm on the opposite side of you. It's almost contrarianism, if anything. It's like I'm on the opposite side of you, and I want you to concede some ground. And even when you concede that ground and you meet me halfway, we're not done here. We're going back further to the left, really, with them, and then you need to meet us halfway there. You just keep going, keep going, and keep going. Uh, And liberty doesn't seem to be on the agenda for any of these guys. Yeah, the, the compromise Republicans, essentially. I love the the, the, the worldview that they have, that like basically the next time there's a mass shooting, they say the Democrats come to the table and say, well, look, you know, we, we passed something and you were you guys came along on this common sense measure and it didn't stop it. I guess we were wrong the whole time. That's not what happens. They just want more. Um, last one for you here. Uh, this weekend is Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm from the Northeast. I never heard of Juneteenth until like two, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Texas seems to everybody knows yeah. about it. But like it's now a national holiday. And I'm torn on it because it feels like it's this new thing where like we all, we're always having these new woke things. And we every, you know, it's Pride Month. And it's, it's, it's something new every time. Yeah. But on the other hand. Juneteenth seems like a really good one to celebrate in that, like, here is the most evil government policy, centralized government control of an entire race. And here's like the moment we we mark that ending. That's not how the media looks at Juneteenth. But, man, I wish we could get that message across. Yeah, I mean, it's an important thing when you look at it exactly like how you look at it. Mm. And unfortunately, the the left, as they hijack everything, they don't ever look at it like that as this the institution of slavery. They just look at white person versus black person, not looking at it like, well, it was statism. That was it was probably not probably it was the most egregious because it's, you know, you're basically forcing it's the forcible use of one person to serve the purposes of another. And that was allowed to happen because it was state sanctioned and endorsed. Um, And that part they seem to just lose sight of. It's not even a thing like how, you know, slave codes or even black codes after that or Jim Crow laws for that matter. They never look at like the state's involvement in that sort of stuff. They just look at what it was the white folk versus versus the black folk. So to your point, yeah, definitely with that focus on like this is what happens, guys, when you allow the state as much power as it has to control a large population of people and what it is that they deem as righteous. And in this case, it was it was racially motivated. How disastrous it could be and how evil it can be. You think that would be something if not to celebrate to at minimal minimum, like just just acknowledge it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. They won't do that. No. Now, Juneteenth is just some hijack bull, bull crap. And that's <sighs> pretty much all that it is at this point. That's frustrating. I hope we keep focusing on that because that's a really important message. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. Again, this stuff can't happen if yeah. the state isn't as powerful yep. as it is. Eric July, always awesome. Be sure to subscribe to his podcast, For Canon's Sake, available wherever you get your podcasts. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the program. As always, appreciate you. A new poll shows that the Biden approval rating, fill in the next word, drops for a third straight week in the Reuters-Ipsos poll. Now they're down to 39% now uh, for uh, that particular poll. The Morning Consult poll also has them at 39%. Just down and down and down and down and down. And like it's getting to that point now where I think it's becoming a thing, right? People who maybe leaned Biden, leaned Democrat, all their friends, even the ones that voted for Biden, are starting to say, gosh, this is really isn't working. Like, what are we going to do? I can't, gas is so expensive and this is bothering me and this is bothering me. We've got I, I can't even get to the border updates today. Wait till that starts kicking in very, very soon. It's it's not a good road for Biden. And that's why I really think they've honestly just thrown everything against the wall here. They're doing the January 6th thing. It's funny. They they do this January 6th hearing and they put all this stuff out with Trump talking about how evil, you know, trying to 
paint Trump as this evil guy who is trying to give you election misinformation. They posted it on YouTube and then it got pulled down because it was seen as election misinformation. Which <laughs> is kind of funny. I mean, it's just kind of funny to see their own algorithms. This is what happens. In the movies, the algorithms always turn on their masters, right? And that's what's happening now. Um, we're seeing now some pushback on the gun bill. John Cornyn, who I, you know, I'm done with, honestly. Uh, he is uh, not, he's just, there's no reason for John Cornyn. What, what, justify your existence. You're from Texas. And you're the guy always out there bending over when uh, when something tough comes down the road from the other side. And it's just embarrassing. There's there's no reason that person. If John Cornyn was in Maine, you know, all right. If John Cornyn was in Massachusetts, I'd say, okay, hey, I don't like him all the time, but I can live with it in Texas. We can't do better than John freaking Cornyn in Texas. It's embarrassing. Well, now there's a conservative backlash really coming pretty hard against Cornyn. He's starting to back off. It looks like uh, this might not even make it to the Senate. I got to say, I, you know, looking at the details, trying to carve out the details of this stuff, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I don't think they're going to be able to do it and get this across the finish line. I hope that's the case. Obviously, as you know, I think this is a bad bill filled with bad things. Uh, there's a couple of halfway decent things in there, but I don't think they're going to get this across in this current form. And then this will go we'll go back to the normal state, uh, status of things, which is them saying the left saying we need to do something. And, uh, you know, obviously the only thing they want to do is take your Second Amendment rights away if you're a person who is within the law because they're not affecting people who are outside of it. Um, Governor Tom Wolf said, hey, we got to have these red flag laws. He said red flag laws allow us to take action when someone who has a gun begins to act erratically. Red flag laws still require due process and any removal of weapons is temporary. Well, he gave us then a handy dandy chart of how this works and this is supposed to make you feel better about it. Jane, who is a person, they keep using Jane in all of these things. Jane's revenge here. Jane, uh, Jane's social media contact, Randy, posts photos of guns and cryptic messages. Uh-oh, you can't do that. Then Jane calls the police to report the posts. Then the police petition in court to temporarily remove Randy's guns. Police provide evidence that Randy is a danger to himself or others. And then the court agrees to temporary removal of Randy's weapons. So somebody you're just on, you know, who follows you on social media, we all have insane people who follow us on social media. That crazy relative, that crazy ex-friend who doesn't like you. When you post something they find suspicious, they just go to the police on you. Because you posted something they didn't like, a, po- a picture of a gun, some cryptic message. And then the police get to run it up the chain and take away your Second Amendment rights before you've committed a crime. Gee, how, how do I buy more? How do I get on board even more with these red flag laws? They sound freaking fantastic. So are you buying a home? Are you selling a home? Well, you need a real estate agent that doesn't suck. That's realestateagentsthatdontsuck.com. They should get that URL, actually. we got to talk to them about that. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find good real estate agents, ones that are, I don't know, competent, that know what they're doing, that work full-time in the industry, that have had great results, better than everybody else around them. Those are the people you want on your side, and that's why 
realestateagentsitrust.com is the best place to go, whether you're buying a home or selling a home. And let me pitch to the other side, too. If you're a real estate agent, I know they have a huge waiting list, but it's worth it if you happen to be a real estate agent and you're someone who's trustworthy in this audience. You're probably going to do a great job with the people at realestateagentsitrust.com because these people are trustworthy and they, they want someone who knows what they're doing and can treat them fairly. That's all the people are asking for. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the agent that can help you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Congratulations to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors who pulled off a Game 6 victory last night uh, and maybe their most impressive championship of this run, honestly. Uh, no Kevin Durant. Um, uh, you know, uh, Clay Thompson really minimized uh, in his effectiveness uh, coming back from an injury. Steph Curry kind of doing a lot of it on his own, and they win the championship over the Boston Celtics in six games. Congratulations to them. Uh, unfortunately, they are co coached by Steve Kerr, uh, one of the dumbest people in America when it comes to gun policy. It's like if you took LeBron James on gun policy and then you left him in the backseat of a hot car for like, two, you know, an entire afternoon, with the windows up. That's Steve Kerr. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he, he gets the benefit of this. But whatever, congratulations. Um, also, I want to give you another sports update, which I really liked. The Athletic. Now, this is a uh, website that's uh, a subscription website. Kind of wants to make it themselves sort of like the high-end sports coverage. Really good reporting, sort of in-depth reporting. And you pay for the service. Uh, the Athletic uh, is uh, has released a new uh, note to their staff. And they say... Uh, they don't really want your politics anymore involved in your stories. Can you handle that? They say, uh, here's the clip from the note. We don't want to stop people from having a voice and raising their voice for appropriate issues. But there comes a point when there's something that is straightforward, like, hey, I'm concerned about guns in America, for instance. That's an apolitical statement. It becomes political when you say, I'm concerned about guns in America, and this political party is the reason why we're having an issue. That's when it tips over. So again, we don't want to stop people from having a voice and expressing themselves. We just need to keep it from tipping over into the political space. God, if we could just have more of this. I don't need you to sit here and praise conservative policies. That's not what I need. But can you at least shut up enough to actually do your job? Cover the sport. Cover finance. Cover whatever you're covering. Leave the politics out of it. I get enough of that at work. Okay, so here's what happened. Woman in India, 70 years old, she is uh, doing her thing. And look, this happens in India. There's an elephant nearby, okay? She's doing her thing. Elephant comes by, sadly tramples her to death. And you think, that's kind of a weird way to go. It's the, it's the way my dad went, unfortunately. No, um, so <laughs> uh, it is kind of a strange way to go, but okay, it's India, maybe this stuff happens. All right, so they have the funeral for her. The same elephant comes back, goes to the funeral, and tramples her corpse. I, what are the odds of this? This this elephant hated this lady. I mean, jeez. Luckily, eventually Joe Biden showed up and said, hey, heard about your mom. Sorry she dropped dead. Uh, you know, uh, trampled by an elephant and then had her corpse trampled. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. Uh, all right. Um, make sure to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel.
Click like right now. Click like. I'm supposed to tell you that more often. Click like on the YouTube channel. Also, follow the podcast, rate and review. Here's some comments. Uh, thank you, Stu, for keeping us updated. This is the first episode I watched from you outside of the news and why it matters. Great job. Keep up the work. Uh, God save America. Yes, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Too short is my only complaint. I need more stew time. And you can tell Glenn I said so. Ha, right. Like he'd care. He wouldn't care. He doesn't care about any of us, you know. Uh, aha, Veep Thoughts are my new favorite segments. We all need to laugh more. Humor gets us through the hard stuff. Very true. Veepthoughts.com, by the way, if you would like to watch the entire collection of Kamala Harris and her idiocy. I am algorithmically engaged. Always enjoy your stupid show. Yes, right. Always just drop in a comment. Algorithmic engagement comments. An AEC below helps us defeat the algorithm robots. We do appreciate that. By the way, last day today to subscribe, uh, excuse me, to uh, come visit us for the Power Hour in studio live. It happens on July 8th. Don't miss it. Go to stewdoespowerhour.com. Stewdoespowerhour.com. We'll see you Monday.